You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, here in person for those watching online, especially for all of our friends at the shelters that join us each week uh, across the city of Pittsburgh. We want to send a big special shout out to McKeesport Housing, uh, downtown housing. I heard there's a packed house this morning there, and uh, we're so blessed to have you guys join us for Easter today and all of you that are here with us in person. God has some exciting things. We're gonna have some fun today. You know, one of the things that I love, uh, if you don't know this about me, is I love history. I love studying history and looking at history. And uh, One of the people in history that really stands out, especially during World War II, is this guy named Desmond Doss. And, and Desmond Doss is credited with saving numerous lives during one of the bloodiest battles in World War II without ever carrying a weapon. What became known as the Battle of Hacksaw Ridge uh, on the island of Okinawa was a close combat fight between the Japanese and Allied forces with heavy weaponry on both sides. Thousands of American and Japanese soldiers would be killed in this bloody battle that spanned over three months. And the fact that Doss even survived was a miracle, let alone the fact that he saved so many of his fellow soldiers. His story was so remarkable, it was actually made into a movie that came hit theaters about six years ago called Hacksaw Ridge. Doss was this quiet, scrawny kid from Lynchburg, Virginia, who was a practicing Seventh-day Adventist. Now, if you're not familiar with Seventh-day Adventists, one of their strong stances is they are conscientious objectives meaning they don't believe in owning or carrying firearms or weapons or participating in wars. Despite that, Desmond Doss would enlist in the army as a combat medic because he believed in the cause of this war. But he vowed, regardless of the circumstances, he would not carry a weapon or or in any way try to kill anyone. Now, at Okinawa in the spring of 1945, Doss's battalion, his company, faced a pretty grueling task. They had to climb this steep, jagged cliff referred to as Hacksaw Ridge, to a plateau where thousands of heavily armed Japanese soldiers were sitting there waiting. To say the terrain was challenging would have been an understatement. In fact, Mel Gibson, who produced the film Hacksaw Ridge, said this about this cliff. It was full of caves and holes, and the Japanese were dug in underground. It was a dangerous place. Under a barrage of gunfire, uh, uh, the, the, the soldiers would climb up this cliff, and, and they would be shot at by Japanese forces. In fact, the Japanese called this battle the, the rain of steel because of the sheer number of bullets that were flying through the air. And with all of the gunfire and explosions, Doss, who remember was unarmed, was crawling from wounded soldier to wounded soldier. Those who were in severe situations, he would drag them to the edge of the cliff, tie a rope around them, and lower them down to medics below. In a documentary done about Doss, uh, he would say this uh, about this battle. I was praying the whole time, Lord, please help me get one more. Veteran Carl Bentley, who was also at Hacksaw Ridge, in in the same documentary said this. It's as if God had his hand on Doss's shoulder. It's the only explanation I can give. Doss would eventually save 75 men over a 12-hour period including his own captain, Jack Glover. Now, these are some of the same soldiers that had ridiculed him and shamed him because of his stance not carry a weapon. And now they're praising him because he saved their lives. And in fact, his captain, Jack Glover, later said this, he was one of the bravest persons alive, and then to have him end up saving my life was the irony of the whole thing. Shortly after this heroic moment 
on October 12, 1945, President Harry S. Truman would award Desmond Thomas Doss the Congressional Medal of Honor. Now, that might not mean a lot to you, but there were over 16 million soldiers that fought from the United States in World War II. 16 million. Out of that 16 million, only 431 Congressional Medals of Honor would be awarded. This is a huge honor. At the ceremony to present this medal, President Truman would say this of Doss, I'm proud of you. I consider this an even greater honor than being president. This man had experienced so much ridicule from his fellow soldiers for not carrying a firearm, but would then be awarded the highest honor our nation offers without ever killing anyone, but instead did the seemingly impossible and saved 75 of his fellow soldiers. Today, few would argue that Desmond Doss embodies everything that you would describe as a hero. And yet, this scrawny kid from Virginia didn't set out to be a hero. And as he enlisted in the military, none of his fellow soldiers would have ever pinned him as a hero. Why? Because he didn't look the part. He didn't fit the hero mold. And this is what's remarkable about life. People sometimes surprise us. Maybe over these last few years, you've experienced some unlikely heroes in your life. You know, that, that neighbor on that snowy day that clears your sidewalk or your driveway of snow when you were overwhelmed and just needed a reminder that people actually care? Or, or that moment where you're going to the, the, the car from the grocery store and your hands are full and things are falling everywhere and that, that person helps you get your groceries in the car and, and, and helps you get everything in one place? Or, or, or that time you're in the line at Starbucks and someone pays for your coffee ahead of you? Or, or that time where, where maybe you're, you're running short on cash and you're putting just enough gas in the car to get you to work and some random stranger comes up and blesses you and fills your tank up? Like, these are the reminders that they're unlikely heroes. You see, while we have this mental picture, oftentimes, of what heroes are supposed to look like. Like, they're, they're people who have status or position or those who seem to have it all together or those physically who have that, that, that impressive stature. The truth is, the greatest heroes are usually the most unlikely ones. And just like Desmond Doss, the heroes in our world are usually the overlooked ones that seem to come out of nowhere and save the day. And on this Easter Sunday, I want to pose a question to you. What if the real heroes in our world are actually the unlikely ones? The ones that everyone else discounts and overlooks. The people that don't have it all figured out, don't have the adoring crowds following them on social media, but rather the regular everyday folks that are just doing what God created them to do. See, I believe so strongly this is how God works at his best. That, that God uses unlikely people to do unlikely things in unlikely moments. And while that might affect how you view, you know, the people you interact with in life and those around you, I believe there's a personal meaning and application for each of us for this. The meaning that you and I are not meant to stand on the sidelines of society, watching all of the quote-unquote important people who have it all together do the remarkable things in our world. But I believe that God has placed the ability within all of us to make a difference and to change our world. And a great example of this is found right in the middle of the Easter story and often overlooked, unlikely hero. He was a man going about his normal routine and is unexpectedly thrust into the center of this remarkable Easter story. If there was a poster child for an unlikely hero, this guy would be it. His name was Simon. He was from Cyrene, a coastal city in northern Africa where there was a large Jewish population. And, and he had come to Jerusalem with his sons Rufus and Alexander 
to celebrate the Jewish feast of the Passover. On this particular day, as they're walking through the streets of Jerusalem, uh, he and his sons come across this parade of shame as, as there are criminals being led through the streets by Roman soldiers toward their execution outside the city. The three criminals sentenced to die were laboring as they would carry these instruments of death that were called crosses on their backs. For those living in the first century, especially first century Roman Empire, this was a pretty common occurrence. This wasn't a rare thing or an odd thing. Uh, Romans would, would regularly execute criminals of the state like this outside their major cities as a statement to keep order in their urban centers. Now, one of the men being ushered through the streets that day was a man from the Jewish town of Nazareth. He had been touted by some as the king of the Jews. And while he had actually done no wrong, the hatred of the religious elite of his day had pushed the Romans, so to speak, to issue a sentence of death. Prior to him receiving the sentence, Roman soldiers had whipped him and beaten him almost to the brink of death. This left him incredibly weak, made his body barely able to carry what some estimate to be this two to 300 pound block of wood known as a cross. And, as, and this was the moment, the unlikely moment, where a hero would be born. As Simon and his sons are standing on the edge of the crowd waiting for this procession to pass by and they could go about their day, something completely unexpected happened. In fact, it's so significant, it's recorded by three of the four gospel writers. Now we don't know whether this Nazarene stumbled and fell, whether the, the weight of the cross and his beaten state that caused him to collapse or someone tripped him. What we do know is the Roman soldiers in this moment determined he wasn't capable of carrying that cross the rest of the way and someone else would be needed. The gospel writer Mark records this whole thing unfolding in Mark chapter 15, verse 21. Here's what it says. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country and they forced him to carry the cross. Now, I could just imagine Simon standing there with two sons, bewildered at why he would be chosen. Like, how is he going to do this? But, but here's the deal. In, in, in a Roman uh, empire, when a Roman soldier tells you to do something or commands you to do something, you don't ask questions, you just do it. So, so Simon steps out from the crowd. He gets down on his knees, gets the cross under his shoulder, getting the man's blood on his cloak, his nice cloak that he had got all dressed up for Passover with, and he begins walking carrying this cross. Little did Simon know that what he was doing that day would be more profound than he could have ever imagined. This, this wasn't just some stranger carrying the cross of a criminal. This was Jesus, God in the flesh, a man that had done no wrong, but who was going to the cross to give his life for our wrong, not his. We read in scripture that he would take the sins or the wrong of the entire human race upon his shoulders as he hung upon that cross. And while Jesus would do for us what we could not do for ourselves or ever do for ourselves, in this moment, Simon becomes that hero that does for Jesus what he couldn't even do for himself. I tell you this story because we often focus so much on the cross and the tomb of Easter that we miss the little details that led up to the cross that, that honestly bring context and value to everything that transpired on Good Friday or on Easter morning, the path that Jesus and these two criminals took through the streets of Jerusalem was a distance of about 2,000 feet. It's a little less than half a mile. 2,000 feet. Can you imagine carrying a giant block of wood that weighs two to 300 pounds, 
2,000 feet. Today, the journey that these three individuals took is called the Via Dolorosa, or the Sorrowful Way. Now, we don't know how far in that journey Simon picked up and began to carry it, but conservatively speaking, we could estimate maybe he carried it about 1,000 feet. Two to 300 pounds, 1,000 feet, 1,000 steps. And those steps he took would be some of the most important steps that he would take in his entire life. He was leading Jesus, not simply to his death, but to, to be the sacrifice for the entire human race. And in this moment, an unlikely hero led Jesus to the cross. And do you know, 2,000 years later, unlikely heroes continue to lead people to the cross. It's not people with the title of pastor or priest with all the degrees on the wall that have it all figured out. It's, more, it's mostly unlikely people in the most unlikely moments that God most often uses. Because this is what God does. He doesn't just do it in one situation or one isolated situation. He does this over and over again. You can read throughout scripture. You can look throughout human history. God has this way about him that he uses unlikely people to do unlikely things in unlikely moments. And I know it's Easter, and we're here to celebrate Christ's supernatural resurrection. But if we could learn anything from the story of Christ's crucifixion and his resurrection, it's that God can use anyone to do anything at any moment. Maybe you're here today in hope and possibility The confidence to dream again has all been lost in the muck and the mire of these last two years. You've relegated yourself to the back row to watch the important, capable people do all the important, capable things in society. But but I'm here to tell you that you are wired and created to also be that hero. God has placed within you the ability ultimately to change the world, to leave your mark on this world. You, you might not have the title or the position, but God can still use you to change the world. Or, or maybe you do have the title, the position, the influence, and you're like, but that's, I can't do that because I'm, I'm kind of pigeonholed into this title, this position. Maybe, maybe God has put you in that position for such a time as this. Maybe God is wanting to do something unlikely out of the box with your influence, with your voice, with your platform. Because here's what God wants to do. He wants all of us to be that hero, like Simon was, that leads people toward the cross of Jesus. Because God uses unlikely people to do unlikely things in unlikely moments. And what's so remarkable about this moment in history with the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus is we could stop right here with the story of Simon and that would be a pretty encouraging, inspiring story. And we'd be like, wow, that's awesome. But that's not the end of the story. In fact, it's actually only the beginning. What would happen next would be even more phenomenal than what Simon has just done. Yes, Jesus would go to the cross, be hung and nailed to that cross, die and rise again three days later in the most unexpected way. But if you didn't live in first century Israel, you might miss the weight of what took place. Jesus was God in the flesh, the Messiah that had been spoken of or prophesied about thousands of years before Jesus was ever born. And as God in the flesh, you would think Jesus would be born into opulence and and wealth and prestige. After all, he's going to be the savior of the world. Like, he's supposed to be a big deal. And, and, and like, like, if we had special guests come to our home, we'd pull out the nicest china, put on our best outfits. Like, we'd want to welcome them, right? But that's not what happened with Jesus. He was born in the most underwhelming way possible. In a stable to a blue-collar family of carpenters 
who were from the wrong side of the tracks. And the announcement of his birth wasn't broadcast on TMZ or Fox News or CNN or the New York Times. No, no, the announcement would be made to some of the lowest members of society at that time, shepherds. And, and this wasn't just at his birth, but throughout his entire life, he wouldn't have everything handed to him on a silver platter, but quite the opposite. When he became an adult, uh, Jesus did the unthinkable. He became a rabbi. Now, that might make sense to you like he's a son of God. Of course he'd be a rabbi. That makes sense. No, he was from Nazareth. Uh, that would be like, you know, someone from Cleveland, uh, you know, becoming the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That would be like the worst possible thing that could ever happen, right? It's impossible. Wait, Jesus was from Nazareth. Like Nazareth was a place that was shamed and looked down on. Nothing good came from Nazareth. And, and Jesus became a rabbi of all things. But as a rabbi, he wouldn't get the best and the brightest students. He wouldn't get the smartest ones. Instead, he went and took the uneducated ones, the, 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 the overlooked outcasts of Jewish society. This is how Jesus went about his life. And, and Jesus arrived and lived this life in some of the most unlikely ways. But he would achieve his greatest feat, if, if not the greatest feat in all of human history, as he took the consequence of the world's wrongs and sin upon his shoulders as he went to the cross. This unlikely savior went to the cross not to save the righteous, the religious, or the respectable. No, he went to the cross to save, redeem, and restore unlikely people like you and me. As the worship team comes this morning, this is the unreasonable, almost offensive message of Easter. That while we often get all dressed up to look nice and presentable for church on Easter Sunday, and you guys look great, except for those of you wearing your PJs, watching online. <laughs> Jesus didn't die for, on the cross and conquer death three days later for all of us to look, quote-unquote, presentable. He didn't die for all those who have it all together or, or seem to be the logical people he should die for. No, he died for the illogical the unlikely, the most unthinkable people in society, the people you would say they don't deserve to be in church, they don't belong to be in the family of God, like those people are too far gone, they don't fit the mold. Jesus died for them. And on this Easter Sunday, I want you to know that Jesus died for the unlikely ones. He died for the drunkard, the drug addict, the prostitute, the bigot, the abuser and the abused. He died for the conservative and the liberal, for the rich and the poor, for the masker and the anti-masker, for the vaxxer and the anti-vaxxer. He died for the Republican and the Democrat and everyone in between. He didn't die for the religious folks that already have everything figured out, but he died for the folks like you and me that are just trying to figure our way out of this mess. And on this Easter Sunday, I believe so strongly that God has you here for a reason. God might have you tune in for a reason. This isn't an accident. Why? Because he wants you to hear this. One simple, simple idea. That God used an unlikely savior so he could show you his love in an unlikely moment. That God used the most unlikely of saviors. He wasn't the one they thought was coming. He wasn't the one they thought would be the savior. He used an unlikely savior to show you his love in the most unlikely of moments. And I don't know where you came from or what baggage you've brought into this place, but I do know this, that God loves you through it all. He knows where you sit. He knows what you're carrying. He knows what you're ashamed of. 
and worried about. And he loves you through it all. He's not asking you to jump through a bunch of hoops to impress him or prove yourself. You don't have to. He loves you just as you are. And, 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 and here's the deal. You know, we, maybe you watch like TED Talks or really cool things on, you know, uh, Instagram or Facebook and you watch these videos and you feel better about yourself and inspired and, and you're ready to go do something about it and you're, you're challenged. And, and, you know, we can have inspiring talk here and, and, and get you all excited about whatever and, and, you know, leave this place and go about our lives. Here's the deal. Inspiring talk changes us or impacts us just until things change, our circumstances change. Like, like you can watch on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook some video and you're like, I'm really excited. And, and you're really excited about that day and inspired to that day until, until like someone cuts you off on your way to work. Or a few hours later until like your boss has a really difficult conversation with you. And then you're not inspired anymore, right? Because you just heard something that inspired you. Here's my challenge to you today on this Easter. Let's not just hear things that inspire us. Let's make a choice in the context of that truth. Like, like when we make a choice or a decision in the context of a truth, it changes the tra- trajectory of our life. It changes the future. Like, like just give you an example. What if, if, if someone told you that nine out of 10 airplanes crash and burn, you're gonna make a decision about getting on that airplane that's a little different, right? Now, that's not a true fact, so don't quote me on that. But, but if, if that were true and you were told that, you would make a decision based on the context of that truth, right? Today, my hope isn't that you leave church, you jump off uh, this live stream or leave the shelter and, and, and you're like, man, I feel better about myself, I feel awesome, I got these warm fuzzies, I'm ready to go about. No, my hope is that you could make a decision today in the context of this truth, that, that God uses unlikely people to do unlikely things in unlikely moments, that, that God used an unlikely savior to show you his love in this moment. My hope is you can make a decision that changes the trajectory, not only of your life, of your family, of your history, of your heritage, of everything in front of you in your workplace, that you make a decision that I'm gonna live my life. If that is true, then everything else around me has to change. Something has to change. I'm not just gonna go home and have my Easter lunch and and go about my business and feel inspired until something gets difficult. No, I'm gonna press through and persevere. Why? Because there's a truth that God loves me. The God that created me actually cares for me so much that he would send his son, Jesus, to die a grueling, gruesome, painful death for me and not sit there in the grave but walk out of that grave alive and well, victorious, three days later. So if that's true, I wanna give you an opportunity today to make a choice, a decision, not just to get your church fixed and like check a box and you're good for the year until Christmas, but what if we could actually set something in motion today, make a decision that doesn't, it's not about joining a church or being religious. That's, I, honestly, that's the furthest thing of what we're talking about. I'm talking about changing your life so that you could change your world. And in a minute, I'm gonna pray. And as I pray, I'm gonna give you an opportunity not to embarrass you or bring you up front or make a big scene, but for you to make a physical choice to say, you know what, I wanna change my life. I wanna make a decision to accept the forgiveness of Jesus, what he did on the cross, that my past can be forgiven, all the baggage and labels and and everything that's been said about me. I'm gonna start to believe what God says about me, that I am loved and forgiven and I am a child of God and I have a hope and a future. I'm gonna live my life in the context of that truth, not not based on what everyone said or my circumstances say. I'm gonna start living my life that way. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to make a decision. From this moment on, drawing a line in the sand, things are gonna change. 
April 17th, 2022, things are gonna shift in my life and how I live my life, how I lead my home, how I work at my job, how I interact with people around me, my neighbors and friends. Things are gonna shift. I'm not gonna just do what other, everyone says I should do. I'm not gonna just do what I think is best. I'm gonna do what God says is best. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, I thank you so much. I thank you, Lord, that we can gather together like this and not just share a story, not just share you know, story time with Nick, but that we can talk about this God that so deeply, deeply loves us, that he was willing to bankrupt heaven, send Jesus to die for us and rise again victorious three days later. God, I pray right now that you would just begin to work on our hearts. God, that we don't just hear information that inspires us or encourages us, but we are willing to have the courage and the strength to make a decision in the context of that truth. God, speak to people throughout this room, across our city, so many that are watching and participating. Lord, let's speak to our friends at the shelters right now, Lord. You know what you're doing in their hearts right now that's gonna change, Lord, the trajectory of their family lineage. Today, Holy Spirit, work in them, I pray. As you're continuing to pray today, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that's you and you say, Nick, today, I don't wanna just do business as usual. I'm not just going through the motions. Today, I wanna make a decision to accept the forgiveness of Jesus, his redemption, his work in my heart and my life. And I wanna live my life different from this moment on. I wanna live according to his purposes, his plans, knowing that I am forgiven and redeemed. That God sent Jesus as this unlikely savior to love me and to care for me in the most unlikely moment. If that's you this morning, I'm gonna count to three. As I count to three on three, I want you to reach your hand toward heaven. That's, that's not something magical. It's just to, to act of your will to say, you know what, God, that's me. Whether you're here in person, watching online, if you're driving, just keep one hand on the wheel, please. If you're sitting at one of the shelters, this is for you too. On the count of three, I want you to reach your hand toward heaven. One, two, three. Wherever you are this morning, just reach your hand toward heaven today. Amen, amen. Anyone else? Amen. Those in the shelter, lift your hand toward heaven this morning. You can put your hands down. Here's what I want to ask you to do, everyone. Whether you raised your hand or not, I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And, and for those of you who raised your hand, I want you to say these words, not as empty words you're reciting from your head, but, but things you're speaking from your heart to God. And, and here's the deal. This isn't some magic prayer or anything like that. I'm not anything special. Uh, I'm just going to lead you in a conversation with God. That's all prayer is. My hope is this is the first of many, many conversations you have with him as you share the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life. Would you all pray this prayer with me together? Dear God, thank you for loving me just as I am. On this Easter 2022, I accept your forgiveness and your grace. Let it cover my past and all my mistakes. I commit today to live for your purposes Give me the courage and the strength to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. 
At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 